Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wake up, Lincoln. Come on, it's 6 o'clock. Rise and shine, rise and shine. It's time for Early Break with Sip and Jake. Brought to you by Gaina Trucking. <laughs> Live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Here's 93.7 at tickets, Jake Sorensen. Did seem kind of meh. And Steve Sipple. Surprisingly good. This is Early Break with Sip and Jake. Sponsored by Gaina Trucking. Welcome back to Hour 2 on a Thursday. Steve Sipple, Jake Swartz, and Early Break. The show is sponsored by Gaina Trucking. You can always watch and comment on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. The sh- uh, and call and text 464-5685. We are joined now for the 7 o'clock hour on Thursdays, as always, by our good friend, Mike Schaefer, 24-7 Sports. Schaefer, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. And we have a lot to talk about with Schaefer. It is good to see you guys as well. It is. We have a lot to talk about, too. And by the way, Schaefer called TCU beat Michigan on a text to me on mm. Saturday. Uh, he said TCU will upset Michigan. I looked at my bowl pool. I picked TCU also. So yeah, do see, I, get I, I knew he was going to diminish it. I knew he was going to diminish it. That's fine. I, look, it's fine. I did it, though. Look, if, if we want to get the into bowl the, pool. the bowl pool thing, I spent two minutes filling one out for, for 24-7 sports. Yeah. And I'm like 28 and 15. Thanks, Shane. And if I could have just, you know, done that in the actual gambling that I had done, you know, this fall. The key is to take less time. Just think less. (laughs) Think less. It's so obnoxious to me. Like, I'm in this this other pool that's like an all fall. And you have to pick six games a week. And was rolling along. And then I had like one bad week. And I just went on tilt ever since. And then over here in this pool that I spent two minutes on, I'm in like the top. Less than a percentage of the the entire thing, and I put no effort into it yeah. whatsoever. But nailed such things as Tulane and did you? I had TCU. Tulane also. And TCU. I mean, a lot of it is you're just going with the spread, and most of my strategy with the bowl games is basically just take the points because we don't know who's playing, we don't know who's really putting the effort in, all of that kind of thing. Yeah, we don't know whose transfers are leaving days before the game happens, yeah. or Ooh. you know any of that. Like I. If you if you want gambling advice for the next bowl season, just take always just consider taking the points. It all contributes uh, that that spiel just sort of added to what we established in the six o'clock hour about bowls that you know, that they're not they're still relevant and they're still you still kind of pay attention. It's just been re- reduced the 
the excitement for them, the importance has been reduced greatly. And it's interesting to me because Nebraska, <clears throat> at Nebraska, we clamor to get to a bowl game where not much of the nation is not going to care if Nebraska gets to a bowl game. Yeah. Like we were talking about Penn State winning the Rose Bowl, Penn State going 11 and 2, and the, the world basically ignoring Penn State. The quietest 11 and 2 maybe ever. But this is what we said is that what you got to do now is just enjoy it in your world, in our world. Just enjoy it in your world and real, understand that the rest of the world is really not paying much attention to you if you're not in the playoff, right? Yeah, well, and I think I think that was largely true even, you know, under the BCS and everything else, yeah. too. Um, what I've been telling myself. Largely true, but largely more true yeah. now. And what I've been telling myself is that some of this is fun for me now because in a couple years, these are actually going to be playoff games. Like, mm -hmm. that 11-2 and two Penn State team would still be playing. I think so, yeah. That Tulane team, in theory, if it gets, like, one of the last couple spots, you know, is at least playing for something bigger than – and for them, that game meant everything. And uh -huh. that's why that Cotton Bowl, especially when you have the current Heisman winner playing in it. Good point. Like, that was of, – of any game that wasn't – the the big two in the college football playoff that one felt like there was something there because you have the Heisman winner going against a group of five school yeah and one with you know Willie Fritz that anybody that's followed college football for a little while like that guy's popped up somehow in your world mm -hmm. so I was very happy for him that was fun but <clears throat> yeah that's fun yeah I I was glad I mean we had two odd like just getting one of those games would be great for often boring semifinal matchups. Not matchups, but games. Getting both of those games on Saturday was just fantastic. It was. Yeah, typically it's it a, it a great yeah. day. It's usually a blowout. One yeah. of them's bad, one of them's good. Both games are great. Both games are close. Well, and I think we both thought that the blowout would be uh, Michigan, or not Michigan, uh, Georgia, Georgia and Ohio State. State. And I'm still relatively surprised that not only did Ohio State keep that close, I mean, in theory, they probably should have won. Uh -huh. They led pretty much the whole game. So, it like... I really, you know, a ton of respect that they were able to kind of put Georgia in that position. I'm not remotely surprised that TCU beat Michigan. No, you picked it. I'm surprised in the way that the game played out, that it became such a track meet, and then very obvious that Michigan had no answers for whatever TCU wanted to do mm -hmm. offensively. Um, but it was, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, you're sitting there thinking that the next day or on Monday – uh, when a lot of people just have the day off and they're playing that Cotton Bowl, like this matchup, this game, like in future years, you're going to have more of those college football playoff games. Right. And more of those games means probably a little bit more parity in terms of matchups and, and more entertainment or and games that come down to the wire. Like that. And, and if, but, but if you're not in it, if you're not in a 12 team, the, the bowl, the lessening of the bowls is, is even more profound then. Probably. I mean, that's just the way it is, but that's you're right, though, about the what it team. does to me is it makes the and I've, I've said this in the past and people get mad and it's true because you're every game counts whether we want it to or not. But it, those other bowl games just feel more and more like exhibitions. Yeah, they do. Or more and more like, OK, well, here's your opportunity to check out these redshirt freshmen or, you know, that quarterback that you weren't planning on playing. You're going to play him now because your quarterback's in the portal mm -hmm. and you can at least get eyes. Absolutely. On and so you. I, in some ways, absolutely. In the results like Iowa beats Kentucky twenty-one nothing. I'm just using this as an example, not to take away from it so much. Uh huh. Doesn't 
ultimately say anything about either of those teams I, for me. I, I, when Will I, Levis isn't playing. No, it doesn't. When, really. you know, Cade McNamara is going to be Iowa's next quarterback and their offense is going to look different and they yeah, don't they have, have Arlen Brutes or Keegan Johnson or any Eric of Eric Hall. So, like. They're, well, they're bringing in The Eric. result absolutely happened. Uh-huh. The way, What I take from it is very minimal. I know, but see, I don't know if I regard it as sadness, but we have to face reality. Nebraska is in a situation where we're not thinking Nebraska is going to be a annual playoff participant right no, now. But, but 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 you're hoping they get to a bowl. At the same time, we're talking about bowls that really who cares. Isn't you know? <laughs> I mean, so it's I, a but, metric though. It's right. It's a metric for Nebraska. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. That's, that's good. That's it might good not way. matter, but it's like we at least it's achieved still a this. Metric. We got yeah, to sure. this. Just a metric. That's How do we measure the season? Thank you, Jay. I would argue that's a good way to look that at. what we've seen in college football this year should make Nebraska fans feel more comfortable than ever that there's a pathway to Nebraska being one of those 12 teams. Because what are you talking about? Kansas State is a great example. Nebraska can have that kind of season. Like, the TCU season is harder for me to imagine, but I look at that and how it was put together, and I think if they can do that, Nebraska can do that. Tulane. If Tulane can do that, Nebraska can do that. Uh, who else? USC. Because I, Tennessee. Again, the, USC. Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, they can they can easily have you that kind of year. Penn State is that. Right. I mean, they were 4-5 and five two years ago, 7-6 and six last year, 11-2 and two this year. Now, is Nebraska going to be Georgia anytime soon? No. They're not. No, they're not. But they can be these other teams, and those other teams in two years are going to be exponentially more relevant. Like, I don't know that we're prepared for what it's going to be like when we're having serious discussions about the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 teams in that college football But that's a good discussion. Because think about how we talk about the NFL. Like, there's a lot of excitement about the Lions and the Packers playing. Yes, there is. Two 8-8 teams – because it's a playoff spot, mm-hmm. and it's either really cool because it's the Lions who never make the playoffs, and obviously things have to happen for them to get in, or the Packers have reversed their season, and they've made it in, and now they're a dangerous seven seed. And then on the other side, you have all the convert. Well, can Kenny Pickett get the Steelers and Mike Tomlin over 500 again? Yeah. Can they sneak in again? Uh-huh. Can the Dolphins, you know, like, we're already doing that. it in the NFL. They expanded from six to seven. They did. And mentally... Like, as analysts, as media people, we're already jumping into that mold. That's what it's going to be like with the college football playoff. That's good, I think, for the sport because that means more teams matter. Mm -hmm. That means that buzz about that team matters. It makes it easier when it, you know, Kansas State's liftoff point. Like, yes, they they lost Alabama. That end of the second quarter is going to haunt Kansas State a little bit with how that went. But that season matters even more when that's a college football playoff game. Uh, it does. Uh, you're right. And, and it's hard for me because if you're, you're not a proponent of the 12-team playoff, why? Well, we, ha- we have not been. And the reason we have not been in the past for the – we said four teams is enough is because we thought it would be blowouts if you expand it. Now, yeah. Tulane beating USC is a good example of, hey, don't count little guy out all the time. Mm. You're right. How would but, Tulane but, do uh, against but, Georgia but and Michigan? on the other though, side, and I think Schaefer would – back me on this because you watched the Sugar Bowl, which you didn't. Um, and I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying you didn't. There was a big discrepancy between Alabama and Kansas State. If if Kansas State's a 12 seed or a low seed. And, yeah, and, but there was also a first half where if the second quarter goes slightly different, 
Kansas State makes that game look different. I disagree. I, I just think <laughs> I mean, you don't think if they score no, at the end of a eight minute drive Maybe or if they don't take that timeout temporarily, but I just thought Alabama, the result probably is the same, right? Temporarily, I just thought it became clear in the second quarter. But having Kleiman was making hey, you would agree with this shape. Kleiman was doing things out of character because why? Because well, he a, knew they had no shot. Well, they had a unless weird, they, unless, they had a weird quarterback situation at the yeah. end of a you know like. What no, you're no, trying no. to do there? It wasn't about that. It was about the talent discrepancy, well, which was enormous. Yeah. They they have to try to. They're trying to coach to win a game. Like uh-huh. this is a Trent Palmer Purdue thing all over again. Like you have to coach to a certain way if your team like Nebraska didn't have the ability to sustain drives. We talked about this after that Purdue game. It became very apparent they had to take shots. Yeah. To try to stay in that game. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting. Like, yeah, is yeah. that what they normally would have done? No. No. It was even more profound, though, with Kleiman. I mean, well, he's kicking onside kick to start the second half. Yeah. I mean, I mean, come on. That's just a de- – that's yeah. desperate. Kitchen sink. Yeah, kitchen sink. Because now, he knew there's no way we can just match up and play them straight up. We're going to have to do some weird stuff. If right? that happens in like right? a – you know, if that happens in a 5 versus 12, or I don't know how the seedings all work mm-hmm. with a, a 12-team playoff exactly, but like if that happens with a 5 versus 12 – Okay, whatever. That's already happening one versus four, mm-hmm. three out of four years. That's true. So I oh, can't not, get I'm, too upset about that. I'm not upset about it. I just think we have to – I'm not upset about it. I yeah. think that it's gonna. there's going to be some of that, though. Not a, It's yeah. not always going to be that. Yeah. But there's going to be some of that. And I think more teams getting in will level the field a little bit, as you see in basketball, where you suddenly have deeper seeds capable of winning mm-hmm. because just getting to the tournament becomes a thing. And then, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be that way with the college football. I mean, TCU, TCU, I, I don't, I guess I, now that we're having this discussion, I'm still a little bit amazed that Kansas State beat TCU for the well, their physical You team. shouldn't be, though. That was a great football game. Because that. that first game, Kansas State was up 28 to 3. Hmm. And then, and then Will Howard went yeah, out. Yeah, they were the third-string quarterback because Adrian was, could, couldn't play. Howard got hurt. Like, Kansas State – On I, the road, in if, TCU. If you hadn't watched Kansas State other than that Alabama game, it would be probably hard to figure out what they – I saw them against Missouri. What they're particularly good at. And they just have, like, a bunch of different good college football players. They're like, tough. guys that I, you know, aren't probably going to be Sunday guys necessarily, but are just good players. I think that they make – Teams earn a lot of things. I think they can play in a variety of ways. You know, you know what though was profound to me. You know, what was amazing. I, I know we're really going in the weeds here, but Cade Typical. Warner. You watched the game, Jake. I, we will tell you because you didn't watch it. Cade Warner. Cade Warner is Kansas State's go-to guy on third down. Yeah, that was. I was not prepared against Kool Aid McKin McKin McKinstry. McKinstry. He had a pretty good season. I, I mean, did. Alabama has a cornerback as a is going to be probably a first rounder. Right. It's Cade Warner versus that corner. <laughs> that, that team and won he did the all right at times. Yeah. That team won the conference. They I won had the some Big Twelve. Critical uh, pickups in the first half on third yeah, down to keep that did. long Cade drive did. alive. Yeah. yeah, Warner. He had a pretty solid year. I know he at did. Kansas State. But on the other hand, I'm illust- I'm using that to illustrate. Uh, come on, it's Cade Warner versus versus Alabama's best corner. Uh, I'm taking Alabama in that matchup. Yeah. No. Well, and they I mean, they obviously found a way to make it all work, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but early on, Kansas State was giving them a ton of ten problems. 10-zip. 10-zip. And then that them, drive, right? I mean, again, they took eight minutes of clock, 18 plays. You get to the one-yard line, you can't punch it in. You couldn't I mean, punch it in. Yeah. 
that's, I mean, one, that's soul-crushing to you. It was soul-crushing. If you score there, it's soul-crushing to Alabama because they get the ball back with a minute, and they're probably just going in at half. It's 17-14. You know, again, I think the second half largely plays the way that it does. It was. the disparity yeah. was there. But the blueprint was basically like, we can keep the ball away from you. You know, it's no different than watching – uh, Army do that to Oklahoma a few years ago where the discrepancy couldn't be bigger. True. But sitting on the ball, just, sitting on possession, possession is a way that you can. Possession, And Kansas State's ability to do that but also get into a shootout with TCU is kind of what makes the Big 12 fascinating. It, it is. Because they've clearly learned that you have to play different styles. I don't know, Shay. For some reason, I just wanted to watch that game and say the talent discrepancy is not that big. I wanted to watch it and say, you know what? Can't and, with Allen, probably. No, not, I mean, no, you couldn't. It, it was very evident. Alabama, Alabama had is loaded up with Ooh. talent. Ooh. But that, that also makes me feel like Alabama underachieved this uh, Exactly. That's, that's what I was going to Because I next. look at these other teams, like, that's they shouldn't have lost next. to Tennessee. That's they what shouldn't was, have lost to LSU. That's what I was going to say next. They played like a board team at times. Bama nearly lost to A&M. They were at the three-yard line yeah. to close the game, won it. Texas, Shay field goal to end the game there. I, I, I said to Jake early in the season when Alabama barely beat Texas, I thought Alabama looked like a team that didn't have a training camp. Yeah. That poorly coached. Hey, what, they have 15 penalties that game? Right, 15, 15 of that really game? Really discipline, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and they and that penalty issue was an issue throughout it the was. season. It was. But I thought early in the season, they just looked, they looked poorly coached. Strange. Weird to say that. It is, but they did. They, that's the way they looked against Texas, for sure. I watched the entire game, and I thought the whole time, they don't look like they're well coached. It looks like they skipped training camp. They, now, I'm with you, though. They're loaded. They yeah. are loaded. From a talent perspective, yeah. it's them in Georgia and then maybe Ohio yeah. State. So, uh, yeah, else. to say Alabama underachieved, they absolutely underachieved. Now, we didn't talk at all. We can, can, we, can, we'll you, at, yeah. can you tease the next segment? No, we're, we're not going to the next segment yet. Oh, so we get to the visitor now? Yeah, I do want to get to that. Well, Nebraska does add to the class Ethan Nation and Cameron Lenhart on Tuesday during the, the, bowl, the All-American Bowl. And now uh, Walter Rouse, the tackle from – Rouse, okay. No, it is. Uh, well, no, I I didn't know the exact pronunciation. Roos Rouse, right? I was guessing Roos, but okay. Okay. I, if I'm guessing it, it's usually wrong. But this so. is no Roos. He's coming in. <laughs> Walter Rouse is coming in from Stanford. <laughs> hey, bro, I'm so sorry. <laughs> How dare you? Wow. What are Nebraska's chances? Your excitement level for saying that was a little high, <laughs> yeah, too. Well, that's typical right. for him. What, right. do, what do you expect Break it down. Nebraska and Walter Break Rouse? Break it down. So sure. it's, it's, it's Nebraska, Oklahoma, Iowa. Um those are the three teams that we've heard on this. Not uh, Auburn? I have not heard Auburn. Okay. Um, I thought Auburn was in it. But I also haven't checked on this, you know, since 7 o'clock last night. Okay. So it's not like I'm hour to hour here on it. But uh, those three schools, what I know for sure, he's trying to get all of his visits done over this stretch right now, which includes, you know, a couple days or basically like a day and a third at each stop. And from what I understand, it was going to go Iowa, Oklahoma, Nebraska. That's where I don't know. Does Auburn come in at the end of that? Um, or Hold on. Just keep talking. I'll figure it cause out. Because what I heard, like Wednesday, Thursday, one place. Thursday, Friday, one place. Saturday, Sunday, one place. And then it's back to the dead period. Yeah. Well, you're – yeah. That's, um, that's what I had heard. Nebraska was going to get the Saturday, Sunday aspect of it. I think that's right. That's a multi-year starter from Stanford. Yep. Uh, would be great depth and theoretically would immediately add, you know, to your offensive line. Could be your starting tackle. Yeah. Started 39 games at Stanford at left tackle, Jake. 
30 I mean, million. It, yeah. it, in theory, it's it's a plug and play. Yeah, um, I don't know if he'd start ahead of Prohaska. That's the thing. Like, I don't. I, so part of it, I I know he can help. So that you start there. Like, this would be a good addition in terms of depth. I don't know exactly where he falls on the line. Like, do they flip him to the right side yeah. so you keep the development of Prohaska the same? And then Corcoran's going inside and Ben Hart becomes depth for you as a as a tackle. Like, what that actually looks like, I don't know. you got to get there. It's a lot easier with Ben Scott because, like, okay, there's their center. Yep. Like, that one's, you know, pretty simple. Um, this one, in terms of the construction of the offensive line, it's a little bit more difficult. It doesn't mean that you aren't going after him as much as you possibly would, can. Yeah, would you classify this as seismic? Yeah, this is this is big. <laughs> you need linemen here. This is here, big. Right? It's not You're starting left tackle. Yeah. yeah. I I would say the kid from Rhode Island was bigger, if that makes sense. Cornelius. It does make sense. Um, yeah, Cornelius. Yeah. But you this know. is still like an important thing uh, in terms of especially what they've done in the transfer portal, which has been really, you know, interesting oh, as, this you, would be as you look as at the summation of what they've gone out and Mike, and got. if they would add Walter Roos, I mean, you're talking about adding, as you mentioned, Ben Scott probably is your starting center. Two multi-year Pac-12 starters. Yeah. Roos, again, Jake, 39-game starter at Stanford. Started as a true freshman. Now, now, and you're right. I don't know that he'd come in and play left tackle, mm-hmm. but, but at the very least, he's one of your top seven guys. Oh, yeah. Which makes it easier because injuries are a thing that always occur. And then having options allows you to cycle players if, you know, part of why last year it maybe took a little longer is I don't know that they love the options they had behind their initial starting five. Evidently so, not. <laughs> um, hey, by the way, you know, by the way, I, I, this is I don't know how you guys would respond to this. I'm 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 a little freaked out. Last night I had to t- I, I talked to Dave Remington for the Remington Award. Um, which is, you know, in town and mm-hmm. everything. I talk to Dave every year. And he – now, this is the second former Nebraska – I don't know, did Dominic win an Outland? Dominic Rayola win an Outland? I believe so. Former Nebraska All-American, we'll say, who – the second one, Dominic said this and Dave Remington, cert, that Prohaska is a certain first-rounder. Both of them say that. It's a, it floors me. He's, his health is a concern right now. He's, he's That's a concern. I mean, but size physical and, health is a concern. The mental health is a giant concern. He really struggled. He was the first to tell us like how much of a struggle it was for him to play last year against North Dakota, so, the, against Northwestern. About size and athleticism. They say, "Oh no, he's a first from shot. a measurable standpoint. Yeah. He's like an off the chart." I, guy. I am. Well, I, I now I'm not telling you that I fully agree with those guys. I'm just. I was just floored by how certain they are. Yeah, like, I'd be floored by that too yeah. because I. I think well, he's got a long way to go to be a seventh rounder. We were all yeah. pretty high on him when he when he played two years ago. Yeah. Or last excuse me, last well, year. And, and he gets hurt and then he had a very course, nice half and against I, Aiden Hutchinson. Right. And I talked destroying you know, the NFL right now. Right. Yeah, we, we mentioned those sip uh, my concern about he I'm, I was glad he was coming back, but how was he coming back too quickly from that injury? Oh yeah, Jake, well you're right about that. He came back too quickly. And, and when you have a big injury, when you have a leg injury, he's he a came big back guy. too quickly. Out of out of pure doubt comes into play. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's always difficult is you're in a situation like Nebraska's coaching staff was last year. I mean, you're desperate. You're probably going to end up rushing a kid that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have, which is you know unfortunate. But that's the cutthroat nature of trying to retain a job. Regarding Lenhart and Ethan Nation, who Mm -hmm. they get commits from on Tuesday, reaffirmed commits. Cameron 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 Lenhart, Lenhart, edge rusher, and Ethan Nation, a defensive back. What uh, what do fans need to know about them? Well, who were, who was after them, and 
how they get how they end up getting their commitments. Well, Ethan Nation apparently had over fifty offers on his twenty four seven sports profile. Now, both of these guys fall in the same category where I think as sophomores as recruits, they were pretty highly regarded, earned a lot of early offers, and I don't think they grew the way that was projected necessarily. Both are tweeners. Uh, we're talking Ethan Nation's probably closer to five nine uh, than he is five ten. And so, you know, that in itself makes things a little bit more challenging. It doesn't mean that he can't play. It doesn't mean that he can't contribute. Um, but obviously, you know, the bar is that much higher. It's not a height joke, but I guess it comes off. That was that a height way. joke. Uh, it was not intended <laughs> as I said it. Uh, you know, as, as a for, for Ethan Nation there, as a defensive back. And it's the same with Cameron Lenhart. And the thing with Lenhart that's fascinating to me is talking to Andrew Ivins, our guy at 24-7, who's uh, our director of scouting, like, he he thinks Ivins is, or not, excuse me, he thinks Lenhart has the ability to be a really good college football player, but it's going to come down to, do they have a plan for him? Because he kind of has the ability to play a lot of different positions, but he's also undersized at most of where he would end up at. And so, this is a guy in high school that spent time as an inside linebacker, outside linebacker, a uh, defensive tackle and a defensive end. So where do so, you play him? You know, in a three-three-five. Yeah. What exactly does he look like? If they you? play a three-three-five, and that's if they play a three-three-five, right. and if they're multiple, does he help you more in this role than he would in this yeah. role? And then, you know, you have to have an idea of like, okay, this is what we want to do with him because if it's well, if he gets here and we'll figure it out. Those guys, a lot of times, staffs don't figure that actually. Out. Oh, I th- th- if you no don't have a plan on the forefront. That kid is an afterthought. And, you know, Simple and I can go through numerous yep. examples of oh. guys that never had a home. It's a, it's scary. And it's sort of, now, this is a bit of a stretch, but sort of the Ramir Johnson conversation. Oh, yeah. He didn't have a position. He didn't have a position. There's just like an offensive recruit or, it, you know, an offensive athlete. When I heard last summer that they were that they were tinkering with him at receiver, my first reaction was, uh-oh, that's not good. Why, Simple? Why is that bad? He can help there. Because what, what is he? Which He's is positionless he? then. Which is he? Then then you hear as the season went on, there was kind of confusion. Like, Applewhite doesn't want him at running back. Um so he's got to play receiver. Well, he thinks he's going to play some running back too. Well, it, it gets so it gets muddled. Right. It gets muddled. You don't want muddled. If I'm a player, I'm saying now. Wait a second. Uh, I can take some snaps at receiver, but I'm a running back. The the part about Ramir Johnson that I will never understand is that is Mark Whipple gets here and he just talks about him right away, and then in the spring he's talking about him again. And in the spring and then in the fall, he's referred to as Brian Westbrook. And all of these things are sort of setting up for one direction. And then if you were to look at his first eight games of the year, you would think they probably never talked about this guy in the office. No, it was a ghost. It was one of the more confusing things. You know, and you know, Mike, because you're in the business, and often you find the truth as time goes on. Yeah. And what I've, what I, and I don't mind saying on radio because I've heard it from good sources. It was, this is an Apple White discussion. Yeah. I don't think he wanted him at running back. So. And but, I don't know how much Mickey wanted him at wide receiver. Ah, see, now you're in lost land. You're in lost Simple. land. You're right. Right. Which, I mean, they had, and I don't mind saying this either, they had recruits that they were bringing in that were destined for that yep. until the coaching change. And now they're in a far better situation. I mean, that's how you end up with the, the Ashley Williams, Cameron Lenhart situation in the you begin with. Tweener's not a great word. No. It's not a great for a football player, no. Tweener's not a great word. But if you have a plan, it makes it a lot easier yep. for them. Yep.
If you have any questions for Mike Schaefer, please call or text 402-464-5685. More next on Early Break on the Ticket. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.